Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome to another episode of the Tafsir Treasures podcast. A podcast where we delve into the verses of the Quran to connect with the book of Allah, the greatest miracle of our beloved Prophet. I hope that you enjoy and benefit from the content inshallah and like always, please let us know about any feedback regarding this episode. Having said that, let's delve straight into the Tafsir inshallah discussion reached this question. There is one fundamental question that we were trying to answer. And that one fundamental question was this, that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the punishments that are mentioned in the verses of the Quran, there are two types of punishments. There are the types of punishments that are sent down on one person in particular. Then there are the types of punishments that are sent down on a group of people. And we said that there are differences between these two. Many of the punishments that the verses of the Qur'an speak of are of the second type. The punishments that are revealed on a group of people, that are sent down on a group of people. Not just one person, not just you or me. For example, if I'm living my life, I do something wrong, there might be a punishment. But this is a punishment that only affects me. It's not a punishment that wipes out a whole tribe. It's not a punishment that wipes out, wipes out a whole generation that's not how it works. But we said in order for the punishment to be of the second type, which the Quran refers to as it relates to Nuh, the people of Nuh, the people of Ad, the people of Thamud, and some of the other tribes that the Quran mentions, in order for the punishment to be of this type, there are certain conditions that need to be fulfilled. And this is a question that we have to find an answer to because it relates to our society as well. The society that we live in is not by any measure a society that does not consist of evil. No, in fact, anywhere you look nowadays, you will find manifestations of injustice, of evil. You will find manifestations of corruption. And so the question is, if the Quran speaks about these punishments being sent down on all these other tribes, how does that relate to the society and the community that I live in? Why is it that today with all of the injustices that take place in the world, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not send down a punishment in a way that he would wipe out a group of people? What happened during the time of these previous prophets that this was done? This is the question that we were trying to answer. We said that there are a number of conditions that need to be fulfilled. The first of these conditions is that this person needs to have heard the truth. The truth needs to be presented to him properly. What is referred to in Arabic as itmamul hujjah. Meaning that hujjah means a proof. Meaning that you have enough proof that you're supposed to believe in this religion, supposed to follow this religion. You know what you're supposed to do and you knowingly turn away from it. That was the first condition. We said that if you look at societies today, many times this condition is not fulfilled. We might look at certain forms of corruption in society today and say, well, this is very evil. This is very wrong. But you're looking at it from your perspective growing up as a Muslim. And yes, from an Islamic perspective, that lifestyle, for example, is a very corrupt lifestyle. There's no doubt about it. But you can't assume that other people who did not grow up in that lifestyle will look at it from the same perspective that you are looking at things. And this is something important to understand. That if you look at society today, how many people within the societies that we live in, you know, specifically speaking about the West mainly, 
How many people know the truth about Islam? How many people know the truth about this faith that you so uh, heavily believe in? The reality is that that number is a very, very small number. Yes, many people have heard of Islam. Many people have heard of Muslims. But not too many know what Islam is all about. Not too many know what Muslims even believe. And that has to do with a number of factors. Of course, the media plays a big role in all of this. So the first condition has not been fulfilled. The second condition that has to be fulfilled before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides to send down this type of punishment is this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, once the people know the truth and they turn away from it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to repeat this process over and over again. He has to send them signs over and over again and they have to repeatedly reject these signs. They have to over and over again say no to the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knowingly. And every time that this happens, initially, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is part of the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, initially he will make life difficult for someone if he continuously says no to him. Then after a while, his life will actually become very, very easy. And this transition is known as the concept of istidraj. The Quran says, some of these guys who disbelieve in us knowingly, They don't know what we're doing with them. They continue to disobey us without repenting. In reality, what we're doing is we're bringing them closer and closer to the final punishment. This is called istidraj in the verses of the Quran. So the second condition is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to give this person and this group of people chance after chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to see if they will believe. And this is a point that we misunderstand many times when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Usually our understanding is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a chance to choose the right path or choose the wrong path. If you choose the right path, your path will lead you towards heaven. If you choose the wrong path, it will lead you towards hellfire, for example. That's our understanding. That's a very simplistic understanding of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things. That's not how it is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows you the right path and the wrong path. You choose, but He doesn't send the punishment right away. Then He gives you another opportunity to see if you'll choose correctly. Then He gives you another opportunity. Then He gives you another opportunity. He gives you so many opportunities that if we were sitting there and we were looking at ourselves, we would be tired. We're not that patient. But this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is known as Haliman la ya'ajal. This is why He's known as the one who is continuously patient with His servants. Because the same servant will disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 10, 15, 20 times. 10, 15, 20 years. And still Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him another chance. And he will do this until it reaches a point where there is no more hope for this individual. There is no more turning back for this individual. This is the second condition that has to happen. And when you look in the verses of the Quran, very seldom do you find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking about we gave this person an opportunity. That's usually not what you come across. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about ayat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about signs in the plural. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I give these individuals chance after chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Why? Because I'm so merciful, as long as there is a chance this person will come back to the right path. I'm going to give him that opportunity. 
That's why we read in the verses of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, How many signs do they come across that they walk upon and they disregard? It's not one sign. God never gives anybody one chance. God never gives anybody one opportunity. God's not like us. Us, we give someone one chance. At the most, two or three times. By the third time, we're done. By the third time, we don't, we're not patient with this individual anymore. By the third time, we say, you know what? This person has to deal with the consequences. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, How many signs they come across. What does that mean? That means these guys that you see disbelieving us knowingly, it's not that we gave them one sign or two signs. We gave them so many signs that we can't even put a number on. And still they disregarded all of these signs. Yes, if you continue to do it in that way, then at one point, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment, the severe one, will come. Yes, if a group, a society reaches a point where they continuously see the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and still there's disobedience, yes, then that punishment will come. But until that hasn't happened, until that hasn't happened, even for an individual, the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the severe punishment, it does not come. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to give this person an opportunity. Our understanding is, I did something wrong, so I end up in hellfire. That's not how it works. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the same person so many opportunities. Take a look at Surah Jathiyah. In Surah Al-Jathiyah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing what's going to happen in those final moments as human beings are preparing to receive their judgments. In those final moments, take a look at what the Qur'an says. Because when you take a look at what the Qur'an says, you realize that every single one of these human beings that's going to be punished right now, there was no more hope for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent His message so many times to them, not once or twice. God's mercy is far greater than your mercy or, I, or my mercy. It's our human minds that take him and compare him to us. We say, well, God gave you a chance. No, it's not about a chance. God gives people many opportunities. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing this day of judgment. He says, وَتَرَى كُلَّ أُمَّةٍ جَاثِيَةٍ And you see on that day, people are kneeling. They are sitting on their knees. Yes, they, are, uh, they, ha they have kneeled in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In, in some, some scholars say this means that they are awaiting the judgment. Whatever the judgment is, that's going to come. On this day, each group, they will be called based on what they have done. Okay, they're each going to be called based on their actions that have been recorded in these books. But now pay attention what the Qur'an says. He divides the people into two groups. They, did, they believed and they did good. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts them aside in His rahmah, in His mercy. And then the disbelievers are addressed. And they are told this line. Pay attention to the wording of the Qur'an. Were my signs not continuously recited upon you? 
فَاسْتَكْبَرْتُمْ But out of pure arrogance you turned away from me. Pay attention. The Qur'an never said, أَفَلَمْ تُتْلَ آيَاتِ عَلَيْكُمْ Wasn't it the case that my verses were recited upon you? Didn't you ever receive the message? No, no, no. That's not what the Qur'an says. The Qur'an says, أَفَلَمْ تَكُنْ آيَاتِ تُتْلَ عَلَيْكُمْ Wasn't it the case that it was continuously recited upon you? And continuously you kept saying no and no and no. This is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He continues to give the individual opportunity after opportunity until it reaches a point where this person has turned all doors, he's closed all doors upon himself. No one is deprived of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unless he himself closes that door. And no matter how much he closes that door, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come knocking on his door again and again and again. And this is the case for you and me. That whenever we turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will come back, He will knock on the door, He will see if there's anyone who's willing to listen. He's not going to give up on you once or twice. You look at the stories of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you look at what Fir'aun was dealing with, uh, Musa was dealing with Fir'aun, the Qur'an says we sent these guys nine signs, nine miracles, tis'a ayatin. And then, the Qur'an says every time we sent these signs to them, we would give them a little bit of an opportunity. Ayatin mufassalatin. We would give them some time to see if they'll come back to the right path. But still they wouldn't do it. Every time we would send these, time, these signs, these punishments, we would do it so that they would come back to the right path. But instead they would get more and more arrogance. Then a point reaches a point where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنْهُمْ Then we took revenge of them because there's no more hope in these people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't take anyone, doesn't send punishment upon anybody unless he has given this person chance after chance after chance, opportunities. So many signs they reject. It's not one or two. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like you or me. So going back to the verses of the Qur'an, the second condition is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to send these signs continuously and this person has to continuously reject them. That's sign number two or condition number two. Condition number three is that a society as a whole has to turn corrupt all the way to its core. Not that you have good people and you have bad people within the same society. No, no. A society has to turn corrupt all the way to its core. So much so that whoever comes out of this society, the next generations that come out of this society are fundamentally corrupt. There's no chance for them to, to stay pure individuals. And this is what you find when it comes to Nuh salam. When Nuh asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him to build that ship, Right? And you see this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving, giving the people opportunities. Nuh came to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, these people, they won't believe anymore. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? He told Nuh to build a ship that would take years, years to build. Why? Because maybe some of them believe in all of these years. Some of them believe when they see this big ship that's built. They know Nuh is not crazy. They might say he's crazy. 
They might They might take their clothing and put it on them and try to you know, hide themselves. But they know Nuh isn't crazy. Maybe if they see him actually building a ship, they'll start to believe him. This was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving them another opportunity to see if they will come to the right path. This is mentioned in some of our ahadith. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after all of this was done, then Nuh turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَقَالَ نُوحٌ رَبِّ لَا تَذَرْ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ مِنَ الْكَافِرِينَ دَيَّارًا Do not leave any one of these individuals on earth anymore. Why? Why is Nuh, why is a prophet saying this? Because of the next verse. إِنَّكَ إِن تَذَرْهُمْ If you leave this group of people, يُضِلُّ عِبَادَكَ They will only create more corruption. وَلَا يَلِدُوا إِلَّا فَاجِرًا كَفَّارًا And no one is going to come out of the society unless that this person is corrupt. Meaning that the corruption has now made its way all the way to the core of the society. There is no more hope in this society now having good people come out of it. No. These conditions, when these conditions apply, this is when that over, that, that uh, you know, a comprehensive punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sent out. That's when the punishment is sent down and a whole group of people are wiped out altogether. It's no longer a matter of this person or that person. The whole society is corrupt now. Then there are three or four other things that if these people do it, then the punishment won't come. One is istighfar. Number two is to make sure that their prophet stays amongst them. Number three is dua. If they do any of these things, then the punishment won't come. This is why the verses of the Quran says, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ We will never send a punishment upon this group of people, Ya Rasulullah, while you are amongst them. If they, if they are you know, decent enough to not get, a, get rid of you, our punishment will not come. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ مُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ Also, if they make mistakes but they repent, we're not going to send this severe punishment. No, no. This is for the one who sins and just continues to sin. This concept of istidraj that we were talking about, that a person, after a while, when he continues to sin and he doesn't repent, his life starts to become easy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts to shower him with more blessings. This is for the one who does not repent when he commits sins. Then if he continues down the path, then the severe punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come upon this person. This is why some of our scholars say very beautifully, one famous scholar, he says, he says, some blessings that we receive from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they do not require a sajda of shukr, they require a sajda of tawbah. Because now you have reached a point where you have sinned so much and you have not repented. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making life easy for you. But this is not the type of blessings you want. This is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees that no matter how much difficulty He gives to you, you will not come to the right path. He's preparing you for the severe punishment. If I'm sinning and I'm not repenting and life is going very well, that's a dangerous sign. That's why the scholar says, when this person comes across a blessing, instead of doing sajda to shuk, he should be doing sajda to tawbah. He should fall to sajda and do tawbah for his sins. This is for a person who continuously sins and he does not do istighfar. So if these group of people, the first three conditions apply to them, number one, 
Number two is that they don't do any of these. They don't keep the Prophet amongst them. They do not do istighfar. They do not pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have now reached a point where out of all of these, they also do not keep the other believers amongst them. They try to get rid of them. They try to exile them. Then this is when the severe punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be sent upon a group of people. Having all of these in mind, when we look at the society we live in today, multiple of these conditions do not apply. And this is why even though we live in societies where there are many uh, manifestations of evil, you will not find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wiping out a group of people. Because many times, if you look at society at its very core, you will see that the society at its very core is not corrupt. Yes, there are a, a group of people who are very corrupt. Many times they have a lot of authority, they have a lot of power, they have a lot of wealth. But society as a whole is not corrupt. So society as a whole has not reached the point where it is fundamentally evil. Yes, if society reaches that point, then the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sent down. Recite a salawat, please. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad wa ajjil farajah. Continuing with the verses, verse number nine. And Fir'aun came, and those who came before him, and the people of Lut, they also made mistakes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was mentioning these different tribes. Right? He said Ad and then Thamud, and, and, and now he's moved on to this. And now he's going to move on to even Nuh alayhi salam. So they disobeyed the message of their prophet and we grabbed them in a very severe manner. This is a, a, you know, a, a, a metaphorical way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala referring to his punishment that was sent down upon them. This is a lesson for, you know, for us as well that if we continue to disobey then the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come down. If someone repents as he's going along, then this person will be saved. This person will not have to worry about this type of punishment. But the one who puts his head down, he says, listen, I'm going to sin. I don't even care. This is what the Quran is referring to here. And then he says this, And then let me tell you about another group of people. There was Nuh, his people. They also had to deal with the flood. When the water started to go beyond its boundaries, I explained the meaning of the word tagha and tughyan and taghut in the previous session. It means when you overstep your boundaries, when the water started to overstep the boundaries. When you look at the story of Nuh salam, this was a very frightening scene because the Quran says that there was water coming from the sky and from the earth. Normally when we see floods, what do we see? We see water from the sky. There's a lot of rain, for example. There's a storm. The Quran says that there was water coming from the skies. And then, tanur, The tanur, the place where they used to make their bread and they used to make their fire. This water started to gush out of the tanur as well. There was water coming from the top and the bottom. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, تغلما, It overstepped its boundaries, meaning that it was now out of control. But what did we do for those who were believers, for those who were on the right path, even though the world was going through all of this chaos, if we wanted to save them, we could save them, which is why they ended up on that ship. 
the Quran is saying the disbelievers, this is how we deal with them. But even if there's two or three believers in the midst of thousands, we know if we want to save them, we can save them. And beautifully, the verses of the Quran say, We carried you. Ya Allah, you didn't carry me. I was never on the ship. You carried my great-grandfathers. Yes, that's the point. If you think about it, if this flood was a flood that took over the whole world, there's discussion on this. But if, the, if this was the case with this flood, every single person on that ship was a great-grandfather of yours or mine. If you think about it, that was your great-grandfather that was on the ship. That was my great-grandfather that was on the, on the ship. Because we know that whoever did not make it on that ship, what happened to them? They drowned, including the son of Nuh alayhi salam. He also drowned as well. This is why the Quran says, Hamalnakum fil We carried you in the ship. What does that mean? That means the disbelievers we get rid of. But even if there are one, two, three, four believers, we will make sure that they are saved. If we want to save them, we can save them. That's not a problem. Hamalnakum fil Moving on. And we did this so that it could be a reminder for all of you that the story of Nuh could be something that could wake you up. And this knowledge, we wanted it to be carried in hearts or ears that would take on this knowledge. When you look in the ahadith, as it relates to this part of the verse of the Qur'an, there is a number of ahadith, or rather one hadith that's, that's narrated by a, a, a multitude of narrations, or chains of narrations, that speak about how the Prophet ﷺ, he said, this knowledge that is to be carried in the hearts, it is to be carried in the ears, meaning the hearts, this is the ear of Ali ibn Abi Talib. This is the heart of Ali ibn Abi Talib. And the chain of narrators of these hadith and the books that have narrated this hadith, some of them are, are from the Shia school of thought, some of them are in fact from the Sunni school of thought, in which the Prophet ﷺ, when he came upon this verse, he said, I have asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this heart that carries this knowledge is Ali ibn Abi Talib. Very similar to what you see Musa and Harun doing, yes? When Musa salam was burdened with this message originally, what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him to take this message to Fir'aun and Musa asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, can, I, can you choose for me waziran min ahli? Can you choose for me my right-hand person? Harun akhi. And he suggested Harun. Similarly in this hadith, the Prophet says, I have chosen Ali. I have asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the one who carries this knowledge is Ali ibn Abi Talib And this is why the hadith says, one of the reasons that the hadith says that Ali ibn Abi Talib bimanzilati Haruna min Musa. Ya Ali, your status as it relates to me is the status of Harun as it relates to Musa alayhi salam, illa annahu la nabiyya ba'di. Except for the fact that, you know, they were, they were both prophets, but when it comes to us, we are not both prophets. There is no prophet after me. 
Moving on. لِنَجَعَلَهَا لَكُمْ تَذْكِرَةً وَتَعِيَهَا أُذُنٌ وَاعِيَةً This is verse 12. From verse 13 onwards, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts to speak about this day of judgment. At the beginning it said, الْحَاقَ مَلْحَاقَ وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَلْحَاقَ How would you ever know what this day of judgment is like? Okay, so now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is actually going to give us a little bit of a description of what this day of judgment is actually like. So then he starts, فَإِذَا نُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ نَفْخَةٌ وَاحِدًا And when that day comes, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blows into the trumpet, نَفْخَةٌ وَاحِدًا And the reason why it's, there's talk about a trumpet is because it is a call to gather people. We know that this نَفْخَةٌ سُورِ happens twice. This seems to be the second time that it's happening. And we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when this trumpet is blown with the actions that we do in this world and with the, the ibadat that we do and the deeds that we carry out in this world, that when we are raised on that day, inshallah, we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are raised and we are proud for what we have done. When we commemorate you know, the anniversary of the passing of, of, our, of our loved ones tonight, commemorating the, the, the passing or the anniversary of the passing of the, of the dear brother and sister that we mentioned at the very beginning. When we commemorate these passings, it's very important to understand that that moment that we have to leave this world is also coming. And this is a lesson for myself more than anybody else. That this the same way we sit here and we say we have to commemorate the passing of this individual or that individual Five years later, ten years later, we still commemorate their passing, which is a wonderful thing to do. We have to remember every time this anniversary comes around or the anniversary of anyone comes around that we're commemorating their passing, we have to take this name out of this Isalith Sawab. Everyone who's watching has to do this in their own mind. They have to put their own name in there because there's going to come a day where they say, you know what, we're going to have Isal Sawab today for so-and-so. We're going to have Isal Sawab today for you and for me. There's going to come a day they say, okay, we're going to have Isal Sawab for this sheikh, for example. We're going to have Isal Sawab for this person. Why? Yes, they were in the past. They came. They had their opportunity, and now they're gone. And so this is a reminder for all of us. When it is blown into the trumpet on that day, what happens? And then the earth and the mountains, they are raised and they are smashed. The mountains are smashed into one another. And other verses of the Quran tell us that when they're smashed into one another, they fall into pieces and they, and they turn into something like sand. This horrific day that the Quran is describing right now, if you do things properly in this world and you live your life properly in this world, this same incident that the Quran is saying is so horrific, then in other verses of the Quran says, but there are also those people On that day, there are a group of people who are completely protected from the fear of the Day of Judgment. On that day, there are a group of people, they have no worries and no fear. They are even more relaxed than they were in this world. In this world, we all have fears. In this world, we all have worries and concerns. The Quran says, On that day, they will have nothing to worry about. 
They will have nothing to fear. So when we read these verses of the Quran that speaks about this horrific scene, and of course it is a frightening scene, the Quran says, The earthquake that is going to come on that day is a very frightening one. And the Quran says that on that day, if a mother is nursing her own child, that on that day this would be so frightening that the mother would forget about her child. Not that this is actually going to happen. The Quran is saying this is how frightening it is. On one hand, the Quran is saying this. On the other hand, however, there are those who live their life properly and on that day, they have no fear. On that day, they have nothing to worry about. So it all depends on how you go about your life. And we're commemorating the passing of this brother, the anniversary of the passing of this brother, as a reminder for you and me. If we live our life properly, the moment you leave this world, لا خوف عليك ولا أنت تحزن. You know, you have nothing to worry about at that point. But if I don't live pro life properly, if I reject the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if I continue to sin without repenting, then yes, the day of judgment is going to be a horrific day for me. It just depends what I do with this opportunity that I have. This is why Ali ibn Abi Talib beautifully in his hadith, he says, he says, Every breath that you breathe is another step you're taking closer to death. You might hear that, we might hear that and say, oh, that's very morbid. No, that's because you and I haven't prepared for it. If you prepare for it, it's not morbid. It's very relieving, in fact, that you leave a world that has so much injustice and evil in it you'll move into a world where you have no fear and no worries. It just all depends how you live your life in this world. Inshallah, in the following week, we will continue discussing when the angel blows into this trumpet, then what happens? Because now the Quran is actually going to get into the description of the day of judgment. And as I said, we want to balance this description with the description that other verses of the Qur'an give us, that there are those who are very much protected from the worry and the fear of that day. And then there are those who are very much stuck with the frightening events that take place on that day. It just depends which category you want to place yourself inside of. So we have to remember that. Inshallah, next week we will continue. And the other descriptions that the Qur'an mentions as it relates to the day of judgment. Inshallah, I'll bring tonight's talk to an end. Thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for tuning into another episode of the Tafsir Treasures podcast. I hope that this episode was another step for all of us to coming closer to having a deeper understanding of the Quran and the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you would like to stay updated on the courses, the presentations, or the other podcasts, that Mizan Institute is offering. You can always follow us on the major social media platforms on Facebook, on Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can always refer to Mizan Institute's website, which is mizaninstitute.org. Finally, if there is any feedback, feel free to leave a review for the podcast, or you can always message us directly on any of these platforms so that we can benefit from your feedback for future projects, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. رحمة الله وبركاته